You are listening to Billionaires in Boxes, the number one podcast publicist for businesses globally. Billionaires in Boxes, steady hustle, no stopping. Making it happen, put words into action, and quitting is never an option. No time to be a loser, gonna live the life that you choose to. Time to make a little money and gain some influence with Phil Palucha. Yeah, you want more sales? Hello, and welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxes with me, your host, Phil Palucha. I. I have a very special guest all the way from Hawaii uh, joining me. Certainly uh, much nicer than where I am, where it is currently four o'clock, pitch black, raining and about four degrees. Uh, the oh. weather is fantastic. So uh, please make me feel jealous, Emily. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's 7 a.m. here in Maui and the moon's still up. Big full moon is gorgeous and it's just beautiful outside today. Perfect weather. Yeah, you're rubbing it in a little bit there. <laughs> no, well, uh, well, listen. If I lived in Hawaii, I'd be rubbing it in everywhere. I'd be, I'd be that really annoying Instagram guy that takes pictures of everything just to rub it in people's faces. Um, I certainly would. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, I've really been enjoying uh, the work that we did together because I, I, I feel. Uh, I work with lots of different people in lots of different sectors, but yours in particular has a very close place in my heart and lots of other people. I'm I'm absolutely certain of that. Um, Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you, about what it is you do and who you help? Okay. Well, I found myself searching for my new purpose in life after I had two husbands die. I never thought I'd find myself. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I didn't think I'd find myself there, but when I did, I discovered that there was so much that I could do that not only helps me, but helps other people too, to deal with their grief and loss. So my passion is helping anyone who's looking for comfort and support while they're grieving or dealing with loss. There's lots of kinds of loss that are just as, as significant as having a loved one die. Mm. Because of that, I'm the perfect person to support you. So, because I, I, I know how you feel and I can, I know that you can be happy again. And I know that I can show you how to do that. It's, that's the most important part, I think, is to, to learn that you can be happy and grieve at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I show people practices that they can do that can help them develop ways to remember to be happy, uh, ways to deal with their grief. Uh, and I, I guide them in how to deal with issues as they arise, because new stuff's coming up all the time. It's, mm-hmm. it's not one size fits all, and everybody experiences different things. And I, I also have developed a program called the Grief and Happiness Alliance, which is a group that meets every week online where we do writing practices together. We do, I teach them happiness practices. <clears throat> we have breakout sessions so that they can get to know the people in the group so that they, they have real peers to deal with, people that have experienced the kinds of things that they're experiencing. And they can really talk because often we don't have it, it, when we suffer a loss we don't necessarily have somebody around us or somebody we know that's in the same position that we are and mm-hmm. by having this alliance you can do that and i've also been so fortunate to have a wonderful group of people form a nonprofit organization that supports this alliance so nobody has to pay to come to it you can get all this love and support from me and from the group without any charge wow see i i 
I absolutely love that I, on, on every level. I don't think there's anything about that that I that I don't absolutely love. I think um, you know, starting top to bottom, as you said, you know, the that you can be happy again. I mean, uh, I think some of our listeners will know because I've mentioned this, you know, previously maybe once, but um, early part of my life, I was raised by my grandmother. Um, and she was the only parent I knew. And then when I was 10, she died of motor neurone disease, which was oh. horrific. Um, it was brought on by a stroke and it was just a very horrible final kind of seven or eight months. It was just, it was, it was torture. Um, and for a long time, even though I was a young guy for a long time, I felt guilty being happy because I kind of felt like, um, it was almost like disrespectful to her. Like I shouldn't like she would have meant less to me if I was able to laugh now kind of thing. And it took a long time to realize that that wasn't the case. So it makes me sad that there'll be other people in that position. You know, you said talk to people who are in the same situation as you. Let's be honest. Usually when somebody passes, the only people you can talk to are also feeling real pain because they love that person too. Um, and you don't want to burden someone else with your pain when they're currently going through their own, you know, or if they're having a good day, you don't want to bring them down with your bad day. So you just kind of shy away and don't talk to people. And, and again, you know, it's one of the, the worst things that you can do. And the fact that you've got the not-for-profit there and you can provide this support for people, you know, regardless of their, their financial status, I think is, is is really it was really moving actually, isn't it? Because it's it's almost like a, you know, you don't you don't need money to deserve to be happy. That's you know? right. That's why I just had to find a way to to not charge people for this work because it it just is it doesn't feel right to me. I I want to love and support people, not not to get money from them. I want so to give to them. So I'm curious when, when this was set up, then uh, this, this might sound like a strange question, but I'm curious to know when you set all of this up, was this because this was how people were with you, which is what helped you to kind of go through that grieving process? Or was it the complete opposite? Was this not what you experienced, but what you would have liked to have experienced? So now you're trying to help other people to experience that. Yeah, it was the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, as much as I've got wonderful family, loving friends, uh, ohana, which is what we call family here in Hawaii, that uh, really special relationships. But when something like this happens to you, especially mm. if they haven't dealt with it themselves personally with, with someone close to them, they just don't have any idea what to say. And like you said, it's, mm. it's raw for them, too. And it's they, you are a reminder of the loss. And so they tend to stay away instead of come to you, which would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I, I really wanted to find a way to provide support, not just from me, but like this, this group of peers and in the Alliance that, mm -hmm. that you can meet. And there, since we do it online on zoom, the people are mm -hmm. from all over. So you can say whatever you want to, and you don't have to worry about like running into them on the grocery store. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of things you want to say that you don't want everybody else to know. So in anything mm. that we discuss, like in the breakout groups, we don't record that part because no. that's that's just personal, private stuff that you can share with somebody that you feel safe with. Yeah, I like that. And it's amazing what sometimes comes out of uh, breakout sessions like that. I was at a networking event not so long ago. Well, it was completely business related. And uh, we ended up in this breakout summit and this breakout room, I should say. 
And they said, oh, you know, some people are going to go and eat now. Other people kind of stayed, oh, we're having a good conversation. I'll just kind of eat my sandwiches here and carry on talking. So they kept the breakout session open. Anyway, long story short, I think there was at least 10 of us in that room, maybe or almost closer to 15. And I think by the end of lunch, every single one of us had been crying at least once because wow. we, we'd ended up getting into this topic of conversation about like our, our bigger meaning, kind of like our legacy. Like you know, to say we weren't here trying to figure out how to grow our businesses, how to help other people grow their businesses. Let's just say that we have all the money we could ever want. What are we doing now? Who are we helping? And we all started sharing like these really personal messages. And somebody was saying that they'd want to get involved in cancer research because it's taken like, two of his parents. And someone else was talking about how, um, you know, they would uh, give back more environmentally because it really hurts. Them. And like, they got really emotional about that. And everybody just got talking. And what we realized was that one of the major things missing in the business world is kindness. Um, there's just not a great deal of kindness going on. And I think people are, are kind of, They've become a little bit immune to it. But when you break down that barrier a little bit, everyone would much rather just be much nicer to each other. Um, but that was a work summit, right? That was a that was a purely business. So and it all ended up in tears um, in a nice way. And in fact, I'm very close to some of those people now because we've shared some like, incredibly personal things. So in a safe environment, which is what you're creating for these conversations to be able to happen, I can only imagine how powerful that can be in terms of, broadening the mind but also in terms of the recovery process you know the grieving process because you know just hearing from somebody else you know oh yeah that's normal you're not you're not nuts mm -hmm. that's i went through that too you know it must be a sense of real comfort for people i i really believe it is and uh, one of the things that you reminded me of when you were saying that is that people who are grieving and are mostly alone or don't have somebody to talk to about it. Uh, there's something that Eckhart Tolle calls your monkey mind, that mm -hmm. stuff that bounces around in your head. And you can, you can create all that monkey mind can create all kinds of horror stories mm -hmm. for you and sad stories and, and make you sad and make it hard to breathe or move on or do anything. And I really encourage people to journal so that when something comes up, they can write it down and the process of writing it gets it kind of out of your mind. Mm. And that, that makes a huge difference mm. because if, if it's telling you something that you know is not true, like one thing that would come up for me is with all the friends and family and Ohana I've got in the world, why isn't anybody talking to me? <laughs> they right. must not like me. So when I say that and I start writing about it, I go, of course they like me. They love me. You know, yeah. we're, we're really close. And, and I can see the truth and see the reality in the situation by writing it down in a way that I can't grab the handle on it when it just keeps coming back over and over in my mind. But when you write about it enough, it, that particular thing doesn't keep coming up in your mind anymore. I like that. No, you're right. And journaling's a, a very powerful way of doing that. Um, I remember one of the, uh, I was talking to somebody once and I said, oh, I'm, I'm struggling sleeping. And he said, why? I said, oh, I've just got a lot on my mind. He said, have a pen and paper by the bed and just write it down before you go to sleep because you're literally taking it out of your mind and onto the paper and now you should be able to go to sleep. And actually it, it genuinely helped. I don't do that anymore because I'm asleep like a log. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it was, uh, it was very, very helpful for that particular period of my life. So I can, I, I never thought of using it in, in a, 
you know, the, for the monkey mind, I think that's a that's a really interesting outlook on it. I mean, is that is that typically what you hear then the most? So you know, when people come to you and or you have a conversation with somebody who maybe is going through something, is it typically you know, uh, oh, listen, I'm dealing with this alone. I don't want to. I don't want to talk to other people. Is it? I've got family around me. I don't want to talk to strangers. Like what? 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 What is it typically that you're hearing from people? Well, they they say that sort of thing a lot, but they also say other things to me that I'm just I know that's not true. Mm. it's it's what they're feeling or believing at the moment but in reality it isn't really true yes and and when i can talk to them about what the truth is like if they say i'm never going to survive this well yes you are Mm. you know It, it feels like that right now and i totally understand that i've been there more than I'd like to be with mm. with more deaths than I would like to have dealt with dealt with. Sorry, mm. uh, but by being there, I can tell you that it is going to get better. It yeah. might be slow. It might be a little bit every day, but every day is going to be a little bit better than the day before. Mm. So when when you are able to someone. Uh, about what they're actually saying when you really listen listening is so incredibly important but when you really listen and hear what they're saying and speak to that and you don't have to say something like well no you're wrong or no it's not that way because it is that way right that moment that's that's what they're feeling and it's very real to them Mm. but if you can talk around it and about it in a supportive positive way then they might be able to breathe at the end of that conversation again. Mm. So it sounds like the 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 reassurance is is a, is a, like a, a a pivotal part of this. Then it's just kind of understanding that you, you're not you're not an alien. You've not grown two heads. You know you're not you're not you're not going through this completely alone. Like lots of people have been through it. Other people, you know, will be there. And and whilst you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you just have to. You know, you'll almost find comfort in trusting somebody who has been through there. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Oh, the reason you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel is that there's a corner up there, and that's the once you're there, you'll see the light." So, um, no, I like that. I do. So, so when somebody comes to you, then how how does that what does that process typically look like? Like, how do you how do you progress it from kind of a conversation about what they're experiencing and, and everything else to decide whether is this somebody that you can help within the group? Do they just get invited straight away on, along to a, a session with everybody? Do they have a one-on-one with you first? What, what does that process look like? Now they, they don't do a one-on-one with me first because I really like to put the emphasis on the peer support from the group. Beautiful. And then when they come to the group, uh, the, the first thing we do is something to center them and to get them into the, the spirit of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'll give them a writing topic. And that writing topic is the door, because when you give them something to write about mm-hmm. that they all can write about, then they talk to the other people about the same thing. They all go, oh, wow. <laughs> I really am not the only person feeling this yeah. way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Other people do, and they're random people. It's not like some the leader of the group saying this is the way you should feel. Mm. It's you witnessing other people in in the same boat you're in. Yeah. Uh, that that are having similar feelings, and then you can talk with each other about, well, this is what I did, or I don't know what to do, and it makes really great deep conversations. 
can I ask you something a little bit deep? Absolutely. Is you helping other people with this part of your recovery journey, part of your grieving process? Are you finding comfort for, for yourself in supporting others to go through this? Yes, absolutely. That is deep, and that's where it all came from. I love that. I love that so much. I really do. I love that so, so much because it, it takes a lot to do that as well. It takes a lot to pick yourself up, but it certainly takes a lot to pick yourself up to the point where you're in a position to lift other people up. Um, I think that's that's really special. Let, let me tell you a little story. Mm. I did um, these writing sessions with people just here on the island. I actually didn't know anybody to do it with, so I created a meetup group and said, hey, come on over to my house if you want to write about grief, and people showed up. Nice. <laughs> I was kind of surprised, and we had a, a really nice group going uh, until the pandemic, and, and of course, then everything yep. changed. But they they still are, are with me in, in one way or another. But uh, during this time period, it was several months after my husband died, my, my last husband who died. And mm. one of his best friends just dropped dead, just oh, out of the no. blue. And he was much younger. He actually called my husband dad. They were, there was that big of an age difference. Wow. And we were fam family friends on the mainland. And I, I knew his wife and his teenage daughters, and I thought, oh, I'm so concerned about the wife. Because when you're older and people start uh, dying around you, you start thinking about it more. But when you're her age, that was the last thing in her mind. Yeah, absolutely. She, she would have no idea of, of what was important and what wasn't and what she needed to think about and what she didn't. So just within hours of, of when he died, I sat down and wrote her a letter that said, uh, these are the things that are important for you to do and think about right now. And these are the things that aren't, and you just ignore them right now. Beautiful. Just don't deal with it. And she, when she let me know later how powerful and important that letter was to her, I thought, I've got to do something more. Mm. And so I thought, I'm going to send her something every week for the first year after her husband died. Wow. And I thought, well, that's that's a great commitment, but what am I going to say 52 times that I'm not repeating myself? And yeah. So I thought, I'm just going to sit here and write 52 different things that, like the progression of the first year, things that she would, could be thinking about or dealing with. And after I wrote those 52 things, being a writer, I, I teach writing at, at the university level. It's been my career for many years and written college textbooks. I really, I'm really into writing. Yeah. So when I finished this 52 things, I said, I've got an idea for a book. Yeah. This is an outline. The outline's already written. And so I wrote that book and the process of writing that book was the best therapy I could possibly have had for me. Wow. But I also wrote it from the perspective is what's going to help people the most. A, a lot of grief books are, are memoirs that, that people write, which are important and it means a lot to them. Yep. And it's, it's good to read other people's experiences, but I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something that would actually help them. A practical. So yeah, practical, something yeah. practical. So each chapter in the book is on a different subject and you can, look at the table of contents and say, Oh, I really need to think about that yeah. today. Like since it's a, a real common thing that would, would come up that one of those things would like, there's a chapter on forgiveness. 
Yeah. And you say, oh, you know, I think that I'd probably feel better if I could get over this situation with what yeah. somebody said to me that was really rude or what I interpreted as rude. But when mm-hmm. you think about it, they were actually just trying to help you. Yeah. And that, that they were doing the best they could. And so in, in the chapter, it talks about things like that. And then at the end of the chapter, there's an exercise that they can do right then that can help them deal with whatever it is. So it's it's putting it, it's practical applications for yes. anything that you're dealing with. And people have told me that it's so helpful to them. They don't feel like they have to read it mm. cover to cover. A lot of people do. But, and especially if they do, they know which chapter they need to refer to when something comes up. And they can just uh, do those practices and it's it's life-changing. And it, because it does that for other people, it's been amazing for me to be able to provide that gift to them. Do you find yourself implementing it more because you've written it as well? You know, like the mm-hmm. like it's it's like writing good ideas down. Like it's funny because it's very, very different topic, but I was listening back to a podcast interview I did two years ago. Reason being the person who was my guest um is uh actually no the person who was the host is appearing as at a show that i'm speaking at so i had to just kind of brush up and, and really listen to the interview and this might sound really arrogant it's not supposed to but i said something and i was like that's a really good bit of advice why don't i still do that and i remembered something that i used to do that was really good that i'd forgotten all about um and I've, I've since implemented it back in so i'm wondering whether it was kind of similar for you like going through that process of writing the 52 did you have moments where you kind of came across something where like, actually, I could do that. That'd be pretty good for me as well. Or I need to yeah. remember that. Yeah. I would tell them here, do this and go, Oh my goodness. I haven't been doing that. I knew it was important, but I, I hadn't, uh, hadn't been doing it for me. So it's, hmm. I, I can actually tell you, and this is going to sound really maybe kind of strange, hmm. but I'm happier now than I ever have been in my life. and. That that wow. sounds like it shouldn't be after I've been dealing with the loss that I've been dealing with and, yeah. and talking to so many people with loss. But I truly am happier because I I feel like I've I've found my place in life. I feel that I'm wow. genuinely helping people with something that makes a tremendous difference in the rest of their lives. Wow, and it's, it's pretty powerful. That is very powerful. That doesn't sound at all strange. That sounds. That sounds incredibly profound because if you think about it, I mean, you're not saying that you were unhappy with your husbands. You're <laughs> saying that you've reached a state where you're now really happy and you can, you know, built upon the memories and the love and the experiences and everything else. And and I think that's incredibly powerful because I think as most people know who've been through, not everybody, because some people deal with it better than others, but as a lot of people who've been through through grief will know, like that feeling just seems so alien like so far away i mean like we were talking earlier about feeling guilty for being happy and i remember um being quite young in high school and obviously uh grandmother had passed away a few years by this point and we started learning shakespeare and we had to have a class debate about uh which side was right is it better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all and my argument was it was absolutely better to have never loved at all because this hurts like hell like it only hurts like this because i love somebody so much if i didn't love them that much i never would have felt this pain and i was so keen to get away from that pain that i was adamant i was absolutely adamant that that was the answer and they were like no no love is the most special thing in the world it's like nope it's not it's painful don't want to do it again um and for a long time, that was my outlook. And 
I think if you contrast that to where you are, which is this place where you're saying, you know, you've been through the loss of two husbands, which is just heart-wrenching to hear. You've been through all of that. You've moved, you've been through all of these experiences. And now this is the place where you are the happiest in your life. That is just, I hope it is incredibly inspirational for other people because I think it is incredibly powerful and inspirational. So it's a food for thought. That's for sure. <laughs> mm. So it's possible. It is possible. Absolutely possible. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have discovered this mm. along the way. Because had I not started helping other people, had I not started using my skills of writing and teaching writing mm. and in a positive way, I always felt like it's, I, I teach at the university level and I've always felt like I'm really making a difference in my students' lives because writing affects everything, any career that you have. And I've got all different majors in my class because it's yes. the writing class that you have to take before you can graduate. Mm. So everybody has to, to take it. And I have profound experiences with them. And I thought that's, that's wonderful at, at the start of their lives and careers that I can affect them that way. I saw that I could affect people who at this point in their lives, and, and it can be any age. It's not just older people who die. Yeah, and of course. There, there's so many uh, younger people that die, and infant death, and mm. teenage deaths, deaths from COVID, deaths from suicide, deaths from accidents. Um, mm. I've got one person right now whose who's, uh, young adult son got killed in a crosswalk walking across the street. Oh, my days. And, you know, you go, how, how do you possibly deal with that? But yeah. you, you, it's still there, and you will deal with it in, in one way or another. And you might as well learn a way that you can do it in a way that supports you and can help you feel better. Mm. Now, both of my husbands were very positive people. Right. Uh, my husband, Jacques, was he was kind of hysterical. He was just a funny guy. We, we actually had a, a bird at the time that was supposed to be a bird that would learn how to talk. And the only thing that bird learned was how to do his laugh because <laughs> he laughed so much. <laughs> Every brilliant. time you walk in the room, the bird would laugh at you. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's it cool. Was, yeah, it was, it was, he was very positive. And, and then Ron was um, concentrated or focused totally on living in the moment. Mm. So, in, and if you truly are in the moment, everything's pretty good. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter what else is going on. You can focus on what's really good right now. So I, I was used to um, being able to be positive, but boy, when each of them died, when, when, uh, Jacques died, although I, with both of them, they both were sick, um, really challenged for two years before they died. Right. And they both died of the same thing. And when I, I met my, uh, met Ron, he didn't have <laughs> those things. So I, I didn't say, oh, I've been through this. I'm not going to do it again. Because mm. I had no idea that he was. That must have felt like Groundhog Day. It was pretty amazing. Mm. And at first I thought, wow, why does this happen to me? But then mm. I started thinking about it, how, how I could help Ron guide him through the process. Cause you'd been having, through it. Yeah. Been through all those experiences before. Especially. And I could, I could recognize when there was something that needed to be dealt with that we might not have otherwise. And yeah. 
it it uh, really worked out well. So I ultimately looked at it as a as a blessing instead of a curse. That's good. Uh, do you know? Do you know why? As you were talking, I realized why. This is going to sound such a strange thing to say, but I realized why you were the perfect person to to create this this sort of 52, 52 action points, fifty two steps, right? And my theory is it's because of how your brain is wired as an academic, right? Because mm, be. <laughs> at university level, this is why I loved university. I, I adored university. In fact, I collected three degrees. I got kicked out of high school <laughs> at 14, but I ended up collecting three university degrees because once I started studying at university, I'd never experienced education like that because university is very much about critical thinking being able to unpick things and understand opposing views and make an equal argument for both it's about here is an opinion go away and read other people's opinions form your own and come back and tell me why citing other people as the as the reason right referencing and all the rest of it and i love that it was like kind of it was like being almost being an, an academic investigative journalist right you'd give me a topic i'd go find out about it it was exciting now, the last thing you want to do when you're grieving is think critically. It's, you don't want to think in detail about things. You just, you know, you want to close the curtains and it all to go away. You don't want to be having deep philosophical thoughts and trying to understand things. So because of your mind is wired the way that it is, you've been able to work out what works for you and document it because you've been able to hold opposing views. You've been able to try different things that worked for me, but it might not work for others and, and really kind of get it down to that 52, which is perfect because from your perspective, your mind has allowed you to do that. It's allowed you to, to, to get it down on paper, um, obviously in print into paper, get it down there so that people can experience it. But from everybody else's exp uh, sort of perspective, at the time when they need someone to be able to say, here are the steps you don't need to think about it, you can hand them that gift. And that's powerful. That's true. I, it, it steps, that's it, an interesting concept too, because I've been, uh, it seems like every place that I turn lately, somebody's been asking me about the five stages of grief. And, yeah. <laughs> and I have to, I have to tell the truth on that. There aren't five stages of grief. It's uh, there's no question to me that there aren't five stages of grief. And that, mm -hmm. that came about because Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote a book called On Death and Dying, I think early 70s. Mm -hmm. And in it, it had the five stages of death and dying. And that that was referring to what people experience while they're still living. Right. And nobody, as far as I know, at that point had given like a list of things about grief. Right. And so people started just kind of taking those things and saying, lumping well, this, them in together. Yeah. This, this applies to grief and, and they don't. And mm. when I was looking, uh, cause I, I had to write a chapter on that because everybody talks about it. And I, I did some research. Some people say, absolutely. There's only three. Some people say, well, but yes, but there's 12, mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all different. And my perspective is that it's, it's about, living not dying yes that's what you need to look at and in the moving forward is is about living and that you don't have to do any particular thing in any particular order mm. you need what you do need to do is recognize what's happening with you at that moment and what you can do to help you with that individual thing whatever it is whether it's on a list or not
I've really enjoyed this. This has been powerful. It's a deep conversation. I mean, it really is. And and, I, and as I said, I can see why uh, you've you've been the perfect person to provide this. I can only imagine how many people that this is this is providing support for. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, grief is such a strange one because we, we were saying about this off air, weren't we? Uh, and funny enough, I was actually having this conversation with my wife just the other day. I said, isn't it weird that like as humans, we've never really learned to deal with grief? Uh, you know, it's it's not it almost catches us by surprise, but I don't know why it catches us by surprise because we know that that's how it ends. Um, but it's, it, I, you know, it's the. I, th- I think a lot of it comes down to the loss of the relationship, doesn't it? It's like it's the, you, yes. you you miss that person and you you are it's like everything around that situation is sad. You're sad that you no longer get to create good memories with them. And I remember uh, somebody said to me uh, when my nan passed, they said, Every year from now, it gets easier. I remember thinking for ages, that's not true. Like it just, it becomes easier to block out that I'm hurting. It doesn't become, I don't think it becomes easier just automatically. I think there are things that you have to do to, to kind of overcome that, that, that feeling. Um, but I remember really clearly, you know, really, really clearly actually being a good few years after she'd passed and finally being able to think about memories of her without crying. And I knew, I knew that that was a, that was a big stage for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big moment that I could now think about her without crying. Like that wasn't, that, that was a long time before I could do that. And then eventually you st- you know, especially because she died in a traumatic way, like, a, or at least with this horrible illness. I mean, I wouldn't wish motor neurone disease on my worst enemy. This thing is horrible. Um, but she obviously lost all of her, her bodily functions. And then eventually she couldn't speak. So she'd write. And then eventually she couldn't write. And she just, I remember she'd let out this horrible shriek in the nursing home, in the care home. And I was just, it would just, I can hear it now. It's horrible. Um, and it was just this shriek of utter frustration. And for a long time, that's all I could remember. Like that's all I could think about, which was so sad because this woman was the most special person in the world to me. Every good memory I have for the first decade of my life involves that lady, every single one of them. And I couldn't think about a single one of them without constantly thinking about that horrible moment. And when I was finally able to, to do that, that was such a moving thing. But again, I was very fortunate that I had lots of people around me who, you know, provided a shoulder to cry on and somebody to talk to and, and, and I also had some people around me, whether it's right or wrong, who gave me a bit of tough love, you know, bit of a get back on the football field. Like she loved watching you play. You loved playing, you know, she's gone, not you. You need to get yourself back on and do the things that you enjoy. And that's what I meant about, I would have loved to have known you at that time. Cause I think that's what I meant about, you know, you feel guilty, feeling happy. You know, I'd be back on the soccer field, like smiling my head off thinking, I feel bad about this. Like I should be grieving. I should be mourning. Like I shouldn't be smiling. Um, So for anybody else who's ever felt that, right. For the people who are sat listening to this thinking, actually, you know, I am grieving something, whether it's the loss of someone or something, or they are going through that phase or, or maybe they're somewhere on that journey and they're thinking, actually, this sounds really great. How can they get in contact with you? What's the, what's the next step? Well, to get in contact with me, uh, remember grief and happiness. I, I would I have a little the notes on my phone when I write down something I want to remember. Type in grief and happiness, and you can get to my podcast on like any of the podcasts by going there. And on the show notes below, of course, is my uh, website 
And um, you can contact me through my website. And my website has all the different ways, all the different things that I do, things mm -hmm. that I can help you with. So uh, check that out because the, the podcast uh, show notes are going to be there forever. So you can always find it there. But if, if you write down and remember grief and happiness, then, then that's your, your key. Yeah, I would definitely uh, follow up on that. So click on the show notes below. You'll see them there. Um, definitely go get in touch with Emily. If, if anything that we have said today has resonated and you're just thinking, you know, in fact, it could be anything. You're thinking, you know, I would love to have a chat and see, you know, how this might be able to help me. Maybe you're listening to this thinking, what a worthy cause. I'd love to be able to give back and see if I can I can help other people. Get in touch for that reason. Um, you know, if you're a business that's thinking this would be an amazing cause to sponsor because everybody goes through this, then absolutely get involved. I mean, there's no point being a broke philanthropist, right? The more we have, the more we can help. So if you're liking the sound of this, either for you or that, that you can give back and do good and help other people, then uh, I'm sure Emily would definitely welcome the call. Contact details, uh, website and email, everything else uh, are in the show notes below. Um, Emily, thank you so much for being here. I, and thank you for being so honest and open and sharing your story as well, because, you know, it's a, it is powerful just hearing other people's experiences and what they've been through. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I speak for lots of people when I say, and thank you for, for writing it down and sharing that message with other people, because, you know, it's a, it will have had more of an impact than you even realize. I'm sure um, the ripple effects will be felt far and wide. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being here. I, I enjoy working with you. I said at the top of the show that we, you're slightly different to the people I often work with, but I, when I heard about this cause and what you were doing, I, I just knew I had to do everything I could to kind of elevate and, and get you to that next place. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. The, the more people hear about this, the more people we can comfort. And that's, that's my passion in life is being able to comfort and support those people who really need it. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, I should ask as well, a final parting note. How do people find the book? Oh, the book is available any place. The name of the book is Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, and it's traditionally published, so that means that you can get it from any bookstore. Of course, you can order it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of those places, or the independent booksellers that I, I love to support too. But Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief is the name of it. Absolutely perfect. I will put the name in the show notes below as well. Emily, thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I think uh, you've given me lots of food for thought as well. So I'm probably going to go and have a very uh, a mindful cup of tea now. <laughs> That's good. Uh, that sounds like a good way to go and enjoy my tea. So thank you so much for being here. And uh, be very best wishes for everything you're doing. Long may your success continue. I love that you're helping other people. And uh, I'm looking forward to people hearing about this far and wide and, and getting involved in any capacity they can. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are listening to a top 100 podcast by Billionaires in Boxes. Now it's time to take the throne, time to levitate. Help you level up, want to see your growth accelerate. Yeah, yeah. If that's what you want, making money while you're in your box. It's short, feel like nothing or nobody is stopping you. Even when they said it, it was impossible. No need for hesitation. Feel P, yeah, that's your man. Go from the best kept secret to the go-to brand. Let's go. Hey, billionaires, billionaires in boxes. Hey, billionaires, billionaires in boxes. Hey, time to grow, make the world know all about you. Hey, billionaires, billionaires in boxes. Let's go.